Colby Daniels podcast on a Wednesday, which means Aaron Davis is with me. What is happening, Mr. Davis? Not much. Just uh, hanging out on my day off, one of my days off this week, and uh, I go a little road trip to northeast Oklahoma in a couple hours and do some photography and try and do something productive on my day off because I've been at this job for like six weeks, and uh, so I work four days and I'm off three. And every every single week that I'm off since I started this job, I have done absolutely nothing. So I'm like, I got to do something. Like, I can't just be a lazy piece of crap on my three days off every time I have three days off. Yeah, yeah. Are so, they consecutive days? Yeah. So I work uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday right now, which it's all right right now. But when football starts, I'm it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a problem. That's brutal. Yeah. So. It's going to be a lot of DVR college football games, and it's going yeah. to be... Luckily, Sundays, I can probably get home by, like, 11.30 or 12. But, yeah, it's... It's going to... I don't know. We'll see what happens when football season starts right now. But right now, it's okay for working on the weekends. And then, yeah, I'm off Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So, I mean, it's nice having three days off in a row, for yeah. sure. But it's a... Uh, yeah, it's... I need to do something. I'm a lazy piece of crap. <laughs> what uh, what specifically in Northeast Oklahoma are you looking for? I'm going to the uh, the Tall Grass Prairie Preserve. Okay, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's like I mean, you're like it's way north. It's like a three hour drive. You're like ten miles from the Kansas border, but uh, there's just like a, a there's a ton of bison out there, like hundreds and hundreds of bison, and uh, they're going through right right now. So I'm hoping to uh, see some see some males button heads and nice. get into some fights. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty stoked about that and see what happens. And Rosie's Rosie's on uh, vacation right now before she has to go back to work uh, next week for, oh, nice. for get ready for the school year. So yeah, we're gonna have a little little nice day together. So take advantage be... of uh, all the time off. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Definitely. For sure. Um, what's uh. What's piqued your interest lately? There's there's so much happening uh, as opposed to like normally this time of year, like the end of July, 1st of August, we're all like bored out of our mind as far as the sports calendar goes. I feel like right now I'm barely keeping up. Yeah, I mean, between NBA free agency, all the obviously the college football stuff going on, um, NFL camp starting. Hey, yeah. there, actually, hang on. There is something I want to talk to you about. I wanted to talk to you about it last week, but we were kind of on a uh, on a time crunch with the episode last week, and I didn't. We couldn't get to it. Non sports related, but you're okay. of the age that I want to I want to talk to you about it. Okay, all right. Okay, I like so this. So there's a uh, there's a really good Woodstock '99 documentary that came out on HBO a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And I I wanted to know like Woodstock '99. So like '99, where you were like 16, 17 age range. Yeah, I think it was seventeen ish. Sixteen, this, yeah, six, sixteen. Was 17. Woodstock was Woodstock ninety nine on your radar as a sixteen or seventeen year old? I was aware of it, but it wasn't like something that I was just like super into or geeked about. Right. The documentary, though. I mean, if you have HBO Max or you have access to it, like free trial, whatever. It's it, yeah. and you, it, it's worth watching. Like this, this whole like. Music festival, which I mean, I think all music festivals are a little bit of a cesspool, but like just full on cesspool. Like the whole documentary, there's just naked people everywhere and just yeah. like people just breaking shit and like it's a it's a whole like disaster. And like so they had it's the middle of July, and they decided 
to move this time to move Woodstock to an old Air Force base. So middle of July, the entire music festival is just on this huge tarmac. Oh, and there's I mean, there's got to be that sounds brutal. There's got to be 400,000 people there on this Air Force base. It's it's insane. I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people have seen the clips of like the concerts from there, but just like people as far as like you can see, like, well, you've got the shittiest music like Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock playing and just going insane. And like there's stories of like all these women getting raped. And it's it's insane. Like the first day, the porta potties like broke and backed up, and there was just oh. like like turd water everywhere, and like people thought it was mud, and they're like jumping in it, and it's just full of poop and pee and like all this shit, and it's just it's a disaster. They had they had public showers, and the the water was like a foot high of just standing water in the showers. That makes me want to vomit, dude. Oh, it was – Rosie was so upset after we watched that. She's like, I cannot believe you just made me watch that for an hour and a half. Because <laughs> it's just it's just constant yeah. like just the disgusting behavior after disgusting behavior. But So basically it's it's what would have happened if uh, Firefest actually took place. Yeah, minus like the social media aspect. Right. Like if – yeah, if, if if they were just like, you know what, we're going to go ahead and do Firefest even though we're not capable of, of pulling this off, that's that's how that would have went. Exactly. I okay. mean at least at Firefest, it was supposed to be like on the ocean. So like yeah. there's water and it's not like – they're on a freaking like paved – like a, a blacktop for three – it's it's – I don't know. I was just – I was curious because obviously I mean I was like eight. So I don't really – I don't have any real like recollection of like the the – the buzz around it like yeah. MTV like it was a big deal on MTV and stuff like that so I was curious if uh if it was on your radar yeah like I said I remember like being aware of it but it wasn't something that I was uh super into at that time well I, I mean I, I wasn't like a big like live music go to concerts like I hadn't really been to many concerts at that point right so you know something like that was was probably just like outside of of the realm of possibility in my mind there's a difference too between going to a concert and going to a festival for sure for sure I like, that. I could go spend I don't love concerts necessarily but I could go spend four or five hours and go to a concert yeah I I don't know that I'm gonna go to a festival and sleep in a tent and like you know poop like take a dump in a porta potty for three days straight and like yeah like that's that's a little extreme for me. I don't like the music that much, but I, that, I mean, that's, that's something I probably would have done like 10 years ago. I don't know that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I could probably could have been talked yeah. into it when I was 20. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm out on that. I'll, I'll go do like an all day type show. Yeah, I could do that. But yeah, the idea of like, uh, camping basically. And, I mean, there were people, yeah. there were people on this, like, in the at this Woodstock '99, like sleeping on pizza boxes, <laughs> like because it was the only part of the ground that was dry or something like it was. Yeah, it's, it was. It's a crazy documentary. It's uh, yeah. Speaking of HBO, I am going to have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to like fire up a free trial or something for Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks. I mean, don't tell HBO, but I can give you my login if you want. Oh, okay. All right. That Fair way enough. you can uh, just enjoy what is you know. Okay. I think the best streaming platform uh, on TV or on HBO. Internet, I guess. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm a big HBO guy. The the movie selection's great. 
good series. I mean, yeah, I'm watching the Sopranos right now. It's, it's good stuff. Nice. Um, yeah. It, so, okay. So let me let me start with this because I'm obviously they'll get to it in hard knocks. You worried about Dax? Uh, was it it's his hand right or is it wrist? I thought it was shoulder. Shoulder, whatever. It's on his throwing arm. Doesn't matter where it's at, I guess. But are you you worried about that? Nah. Not at all. You're not any percent worried nah. that Dak's having issues with his throwing shoulder. Nah. Okay. It's camp, well, dude. It's camp. People people get nicks and bumps and bruises. And um I, I feel like every year during camp, you have these minor things that probably during the season wouldn't even be reported, but because it's camp. And there's just so much focus on there. every little thing that takes place that uh, a lot of these things are like, <gasps> this guy's like not working out today or he's, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm not worried about it. Okay. Well, then you're not worried about that. But I need to, I have to assume you're worried about these two things. Okay. One. Mike McCarthy. Yes. Wor- absolutely worried about Mike well, McCarthy. Obviously, obviously worried about that. <laughs> are you worried about Nickelback playing in the, in the weight room? Um, No. No, that's a concern. That's not when that's not, that's not championship music to me. Look at this uh, photograph, Aaron. God, it had to have been a joke. It had to have been, a <laughs> there's no way that like, like who, okay. Who on the team would walk up to the stereo in the weight room and like, be like, all right, yeah, this is it. It's gotta be somebody like, maybe like a, I don't know. It wouldn't be. Lane yes. Vander yes. Ice. That's exactly who I was going to say. If, if anybody was in charge of the stereo and we had to find out what player was in charge of playing Nickelback, Leighton Vander Esch would be my first and second guesses. He seemed, I don't know, man. He seems too like, uh, like country, like middle of the country. Like that doesn't seem like his vibe. I, I mean, like a corny white dude. Is he a corny white dude? I mean, like you're thinking like hayseed type. Yeah, he's more. I mean, he went to Boise State. He's yeah. up there in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know. I just wouldn't get Nickelback vibes from anybody from that part of the country. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, look. Here's the thing. I think there are a lot of people that that uh, that you would say you don't get Nickelback vibes from. But there's a reason why Nickelback has sold millions and millions and millions of albums. There are a shit ton of people that listen to Nickelback but don't admit it. That's fair. Well, he's admitting it if he's putting it on for the whole yeah. team while they're uh, pumping iron. Yeah. Okay, so not concerned about that. Are you concerned Blake Jarwin, at all? maybe? Blake Jarwin? Blake Jarwin seems like the Nickelback guy. He's got like a Nickelback guy name. <laughs> like Blake Jarwin? Oh, he's definitely listening Shout to Shout out to Blake Jarwin, by the way. Uh, okay, third, third and final... Uh, thing that I need to know if you're concerned about okay. about the Cowboys camp. Are you concerned at all by the fact that Dak Prescott broke his ankle last year, missed the entire season, and the Cowboys, knowing that he's coming back from this, I mean, it's a bone break, so like it, those are a little bit easier to come back from than like ligament or muscle stuff, but knowing that he's coming back from a serious injury, and the Cowboys come into camp with the absolute worst roster of backup quarterbacks imaginable, well, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that take, but what I would say is their their backup quarterback situation is actually better this year than it's been in the past. You would take Cooper Rush over Andy Dalton? Well, and yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton's obviously a former starting quarterback, so he's the best they've had. But if you look at like the last 10 years, 
it's been Cooper Rush for like three years though. Yeah, Cooper Rush is not good, man. Garrett Gilbert yeah. is a massive upgrade from Cooper Rush. You think you think Garrett's going to end up being the backup? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, Cooper okay. Rush isn't even there anymore. It's it's uh is he? I, I think it's I think uh, just. Is. I thought it was just uh, Garrett Gilbert and Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci is uh he had a tough little go there for a minute. <laughs> uh yeah yeah it wasn't wasn't great. It was not the ideal situation. Um, uh, Garrett Gilbert is significantly better than Cooper Rush. Yeah, Cooper Rush is there in camp. Oh, is he still there? Okay. Yeah, it's Cooper, Garrett, and Ben DiNucci. I saw a report, I heard a report the other day that, like, first day of camp, those three quarterbacks threw like six interceptions. Yeah, I mean, which is here's the thing if Dak goes down, they're screwed anyway. So, like, it doesn't really matter who the backup is. They don't have to, but they don't have to be, though. Their roster is pretty good like I just feel like look I mean any team if there's if there's any team outside of what, what maybe like a couple who their starters aren't very good yeah like any good team that has potential to make a run is going to be in a real world of hurt if their starting quarterback goes down but I don't think it has to be like you know we're an 11 win team to a five win team yeah immediately who do you go my question bad. would be though who do you go get because we've seen Guys like um, what was the uh, what was the backup the Bears signed a couple years ago? Glennon, Glennon, as uh, John Gruden would say, Mike Glennon. The guy was making like fifteen million dollars or something crazy like that as a backup quarterback, and I think yeah. Dallas's financial situation isn't really at a point where they can spend that kind of money for a for a QB two. How how what was the uh, they, Malik Hooker's? This, they signed Malik Hooker, yeah, right? Malik Hooker. They get him on a good deal. Yeah, um, and I mean, again, like their safety position has been so bad for so yeah. long. Um, I, 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 they brought in a bunch of guys at safety, and and look, I, I loved Malik Hooker coming out of Ohio State. Obviously, it wasn't a great run with the Colts. There were injury issues as well. Uh, but I, I like the signing. I like the reset potential for Malik Hooker to kind of you know just have a new landing spot, kind of start fresh with a team that absolutely needs safety help. Uh, so, yeah, I love that signing, actually. Okay, so back to who would you sign at quarterback? What about a guy like Jacoby Brissett for $2.5 million a year? I think I would yeah, take that's, Jacoby yeah, Brissett that would work. over yeah. those three guys. For sure, day. for sure. Now, I do, I mean, if I would I would be much more... Uh, comfortable with Garrett Gilbert over like Cooper Rush or Ben DiNucci. Yeah. But I mean, he's Garrett Gilbert's still not. I mean, you don't want to have to play Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, right. The The current depth uh, chart is Gilbert two, DiNucci three, Cooper Rush four. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I think Garrett Gilbert's okay. Um, I, I'm always going to have a little bit of bias towards him because uh, I watched him in high school and yeah. just thought that he was like a god. Yeah. Watching him just destroy people at Lake Travis in Austin, but uh, I'm always going to have something against him because we watched uh, Vince Young and then Colt McCoy and then Garrett Gilbert comes into that national championship game, and I think all things considered, played relatively well, and it looked like he was going to be the yeah, and it looked like he was going to be the next guy, and then the next year, it was literally like the dude couldn't complete passes, like. what? I've said this I was for, like, wow, this, this guy's horrible. I've said this for 10 years. 
not look. You cannot blame Garrett Gilbert for that because no, not at all. G- Garrett Gilbert was spread like in high school. Read that he like Lake Travis was basically a Texas Tech feeder school. Yeah, they ran that like spread offense, pass it forty times a game. He goes to Texas. They're running a spread, and then Alabama destroys them in the national championship game. And Mac Brown that offseason decides they're going to start switch to a pro style offense. Yeah. Put the quarterback under center. But, I mean, what's Garrett Gilbert supposed yeah. to do? He's played as a spread offense his entire life. He went to Texas to play in the spread, and then Mac's like, eh, we're going to I formation, pro offense, single back. And it was a disaster. Yeah. But, anyways. Yeah, he still I, couldn't complete, like, 10-yard out routes. Like, it was oh, he was I, skipping I think, yeah. footballs to receivers, and it was it was really bad to watch. I think, I think getting slaughtered by Alabama in that national championship game killed his confidence a little and not necessarily his performance. I don't know, but like the, just the reaction. Well, he brought them back. Remember they, they like kind of made it close at the end. Yeah. I mean, he was fine in that game. All things considered. Um, I think that I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but I'm pretty confident that Colt McCoy stayed healthy that game. I think Texas could have won that game. I think they would have won. would have won. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. So, you know, given the circumstances, I mean, true freshman going to that game, national championship game. He's, he did okay. But, uh, still, you're the Cowboys. I mean, the dude was in the AAF a couple of years ago. Yeah. And you're looking at him being your second best quarterback on your roster. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just, my thing is there are most teams in the NFL, if they lose their starter, like, you're just kind of screwed. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree to that. Um, yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm, I'm. This a, is a Hall of Fame game this week. Thursday, yeah, tomorrow night. Oh, oh all right. Yeah, Dallas Cowboys, I mean, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Mason Rudolph, excited. Aaron Mason Rudolph, starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. I'm excited. It's the uh, Hall of Fame game, also the game I like to refer to as the m- most uh, disappointing game of the year. It's uh, it's simultaneously maybe like a top five most. Ex- like excited I am for a game while also being most disappointing game. Right. I like the build up to it, like pregame. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do yeah. this. And then football, about, baby about the 10 minute mark of the first quarter. I'm like, oh, all right, this sucks. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, um, what else is on? At least for me though, like I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'll be excited to watch like all yeah. four quarters. I'll be excited to watch all the, you know, backups that are trying to make the squad. So especially defensively because they, they went, basically all defense in the draft. And I think the majority of those guys are going to have a chance at least to make the team. So I, I think across the board defensively, uh, I'm really going to be excited to see what Dallas looks like from that perspective in all four quarters. Has, uh, has Dallas ruled out any of the uh, like skill player guys? Uh, they may have. I haven't seen to this point. Um, I have to assume Dak's not playing. I right? would assume. Yeah. But Zeke probably not playing. Yeah. So. I, Amari Cooper, I doubt would play. Um, well, he's supposed to miss like the first few weeks of the season, isn't he? I heard he was uh, right at like almost a hundred percent. So, oh, really? I, my assumption is they're going to hold him yeah, out till probably the start of the year. Yeah, but yesterday he uh, did an interview and said he was real close to a hundred percent. Yeah. So, but beyond like, I don't know how much they would play like. Tyron Smith is a guy that I think you want to be really careful with. Uh, I wouldn't even up to touch him in the preseason. Yeah. yeah, Lyle Collins, the same thing. Like, off. And here's the thing, though. Like, offensively, 
you have a bunch of established guys. Like it's you need to get them a little bit of of uh, like game speed and chemistry before this before game one. But I don't think they need lots of work defensively. Yeah. Is what I'm excited to see. Did uh, do you see uh, Deshaun Watson's first day of camp after he reported? I saw that uh, he didn't report. I did he arrive? He did end up reporting oh, okay. last week. Okay. First day of camp, he was the fourth string quarterback and played scout team safety. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh, man. This is coming from... Uh, I mean, this, these were coming from... Uh, trying to, God dang it. With the, uh, David Coley. Like, David Coley, in his interview, was like, yeah, we played Watson and uh, scout team safety, scout team running back, and right now he's yeah. our fourth-string quarterback. So if that's not, like, the biggest just middle finger to Deshaun Watson, like, we don't want you here. Man. Which is fun. Which I, I shouldn't say it's funny because, I mean, there's been reports that there's nobody in the league that even wants to take Deshaun right now. So... I, I don't know what to say. I don't know. Well, it's, yeah, you can't mortgage your future on a guy that has, like, what is it, 18 or 20 claims against him? I mean... Yeah, might be in jail. Right, yeah. we have no idea. Yeah, that's... Uh, like, he's a top-five quarterback, but... Oh, yeah, With that sure. looming, like, you can't, can't do that. Uh, yeah, but just, to, like, safety, though. Scout team safety. Oof. You have your... Hundred plus million dollar quarterback playing scout team safety. Mac Brown would be really happy with that situation. Yes, he would. Oh man, it's it's a disaster. Yikes! Remember in the draft when the Texans took a quarterback in what the second or third round, and the broadcast acted completely puzzled by why the Texans would take a quarterback because they have Deshaun Watson, and I'm like. Do you guys yeah, even pay attention to the news cycle? Yeah. <laughs> all the all the all the reports like this has all been out. You were fully aware of all these like the investigation that started, like all these uh accusations. Yeah, yeah. It, that, yeah. I mean, what do you expect? It's ESPN. They're Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're I, they're, I just don't understand why the Texans would take a quarterback here. It just makes no sense to me. And I'm like, really? It makes no sense to you? So right now, Deshaun Watson on the depth chart is behind. I, I, I'm going to assume Terod Taylor is a starter. Yeah. Jeff Driscoll and Davis Mills, obviously the rookie okay. out of Stanford that they drafted. So uh, that's a pretty good quarterback. Wow. Like, I, that's a that's quarterback not bad. Room. Yeah, that's not bad. I would take that over what Dallas has as far as backups go. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of the roster is pretty terrible. Yeah. But... Are they going to compete for the worst team in the NFL this year? They or are they better for than the that? worst team ever? <laughs> I I would not be surprised. Legitimately, if Deshaun Watson doesn't play this year, I would not be surprised if they went 0 16. Offensive line's not good, right? Terrible. Terrible. I mean, uh Tonsil's good, but like he's he, he can't block everybody. Yeah. So like you know his his numbers will be good. He'll probably won't he probably won't give up, but maybe one or two sacks on the year if he stays healthy. But yeah, the right side of the line is just going to get obliterated like they did last year. Who are their fantasy football stars? Do what now? <laughs> Do they have anybody that's like going to put maybe, up big numbers? Look, maybe Brandon Cooks, but without Deshaun Watson, right. I don't know if Brandon Cooks has any value. Yeah. Um, 
Who's RB one? Uh, well, looking at their roster, I would imagine it's going to be a committee situation because they've got David Johnson, who was oh, a lot of people right. were pretty high on him last right. year, but he was a disappointment. Big disappointment. In fantasy. Yeah. Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. So it it seems like a. Oh yeah, I forgot they brought over. Uh, I forgot they got Lindsay and Mark Ingram actually. Yeah. Also, they have Rex Burkhead. Okay. So, so pretty decent decent backfield for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a committee situation, but. I mean, if they can't block, they can't block. The receiving right. course terrible. I mean, you're looking at Brandon Cooks. Obviously, is the number one guy, but I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a downfield guy. Like, so if if you've got Terod Taylor in the starting quarterback, he's not throwing it downfield to Brandon Cooks. And then after that, like Kiki Kuti and Anthony Miller. Oof. Yeah, it's they're bad. Obviously, like JJ Watt's gone. Um, they traded away Zach Cunningham, I believe who was, you know, one of their best, I mean, probably their best defense. No, Zach Cunningham is still there. They traded away Bernardrick McKinney. Oh, okay. Um, so Cunningham's still there. Cunningham's still, he's a good player in the middle of, of the field. Uh, I mean, their safety, his uh, name's slipping my mind. Uh, Justin Reed's Justin pretty Reed. good. but Yeah, I mean, they've got like, maybe on a 53-man roster, they might have five guys that I look at and I would say that's a good NFL player. Yikes! If I mean, you know, if Deshaun Watson plays, they're a five-win team probably, just because he's so good. Yeah, they, yeah. By himself, he could carry him to four or five wins, but it's it's going to be a disaster. And I hope they. I, off the top of my head, I'm trying to remember if uh, Bill traded the pick this year too. Probably. I I just assume the Texans won't have a pick again while I'm alive. <laughs> but that's uh, that is a fair assumption. <laughs> they do they do have a first round pick. Oh, okay. Uh, in 2022, so I guess they could get Spencer Rattler if he's the guy. There we go. But you know that would mean that Deshaun's gone from the team. I don't know, man. It's a whole it's it, it is just a complete shit show in Houston, and it was completely avoidable. All you had to do was just not put Bill O'Brien as the GM. Yeah. He's a good coach. Like, he was winning games with them, getting into the playoffs. I mean, he wasn't winning in the playoffs, but he was still, like, they were a good regular season yeah, well, team. They, yeah, they had, a good, they had a good roster. Yeah, and just shot themselves in the foot by putting him in charge of the roster. He completely dismantled one of the best. Yeah, they, I mean, they had playmakers everywhere. Every position group had, like, really good playmakers. Yeah. I mean, it's it's frustrating, man. It's, I, I you know, I've joked about I, I didn't really joke I was actually being kind of serious like I it's hard to be a Texans fan right now and I, you know I said that back in yeah. the, you know, a few months ago and like there's nothing has changed I'm not any more excited to watch the Texans this year than I was in February well didn't you uh didn't you adopt the Cardinals I did yeah yeah we're gonna we're Cardinals gonna roll fan Cardinals Aaron Davis year. yeah yeah big time uh, go birds there we go real real birds not the Eagles Eagles suck yeah um are you are you exhausted of the conference realignment talk, or is it like do you, are you eating it all up every day? I'm I'm eating it up. I'm you know I'm okay. I'm you know it's good food. Like it's like Thanksgiving. Like first plate's delicious, but you know I I can eat another plate. Then okay. I can have dessert. Like I'm I'm not going to be full of Thanksgiving dinner at okay. any point. Like I'm going to keep going. So you're all uh, in on the conference realignment all the way to the start of the season. Yeah. So. 
I, I've seen a lot of people like her. Herb Street was pretty vocal about it, kind of killing the tradition and like the rivalries and stuff. And I, I, I see that to an extent. I don't think it has to necessarily. I don't think that conference realignment and if we're getting super conferences or whatever, I don't think it has to kill those rivalries. Like, I don't think Bedlam has to die just because those two teams aren't in the same conference. Will it carry the same weight that it did with them both being in the Big 12? No, obviously not. But it's they, these things can still matter. Obviously, it's going to be watered down to an extent, which sucks. It does, I mean, I will admit that like is something that you know kind of bums me out. But yeah, on well, a week to week basis, looking at a slate of games, especially once you get into like October and November, I think it's going to be in a way better place. Yeah. The problem the is you can't you can't complain about college football and the lack of like a playoff system that gives everybody a chance and also complain that you're losing the tradition of college football. Like right. you can't have both. You either adapt to a new system that allows for everybody to have an equal shot or you stick to the old ways and you hold on to you know "Quote unquote tradition." You you can't have both. There's just not a way to have both if we're being realistic about the situation. I mean, we've already seen how bowl games are so devalued just from a four team playoff. Yeah, I yeah I remember like growing up. I mean, obviously, I grew up in the BCS era. Like, I don't remember the pre BCS like uh, you know just AP vote like we're doing it that right. way. You know system. I were like my entire childhood, like the bowl games, like meant something to yeah. me. Like even like the holiday bowl, I was like, oh, Texas is in the holiday bowl. Obviously, it's not the best bowl game, but damn it, like I like I want them to win this game. Like I want them to show up. Yeah. Because like you know it could build up into next year, and then maybe next year they're in the the a BCS game. They're in the Fiesta Bowl. Like outside of being in the national championship game, if you got one of those other BCS bowl games, like that was pretty damn awesome. It was a big like, deal, yeah. Yeah, like it felt good to be in one of the five games that happened after New Year's Day. And now, like, outside of those the, the two semifinal games, who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, those games, just they're just, they just don't hold that same level of prestige. And it is what it is, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, I personally, I don't care about the bowl games anymore. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just the evolution of the sport. If you're go, if you're going to keep up and you're going to adapt the sport to, you know, allow for more inclusion, which is the word that that everybody wants to use when they're talking about college football and some sort of postseason format. You it, you just. I think it's impossible to hold on to college football tradition. Now, I'm not saying it's going to go away completely. But we've already seen it with the bowl games. You just it, it it when it starts losing importance, then I mean it's pretty much gone anyway. So I don't think I don't think they're ever gonna like lose the bowl games because they're gonna you know they're they're always gonna be there. But yeah, I mean we're at a point where they're far less interesting now than they were ten years ago, and certainly twenty years ago. And, you know, the the further this thing goes down the road where we either expand the playoffs or we start talking about super conferences or whatever, uh, I think that just, you know, that it, that gap between what used to be and what is continues to widen. And, like, I, I also think we're, we're at a point where, you know, the SEC could, could easily just look at the NCAA and, and give them the middle finger and say, we're going to, you know, after our next TV deal's up, we're going to go do our own TV deal 
and we're not playing anybody. We're just going to decide our own champion, and that's it. And, like, I, everybody in the world's going to watch it. Like, nobody's going to say, you know what, I'm not watching that SEC championship. I'm going to watch the college football playoff. Well, if if it's Alabama and LSU and Oklahoma and Georgia in their final four or whatever, like, you're telling me that doesn't have more weight than whatever the other groups are doing? Yeah, I mean, I'm very much against that scenario, but you're right. I mean... The SEC and those 16 teams, out of all 126, or whatever the number is, FBS teams, the SEC and just in those 16 teams probably has what? Out of the 16, what would you say, like 12 of them are probably in the top <laughs> 10, 30? Yeah. 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 Top 10 programs in, the, in, in college football. So, like, yeah, I mean, they would survive just on their own. Um, like, I was thinking, I was thinking yesterday about, like, the, the top 16 programs in college football and what that list looked like. And, and, you know, obviously out of the sec alone, you're talking about Alabama, LSU, Auburn, obviously OU in Texas, uh, Florida, Georgia, Georgia. I think Tennessee's probably in that conversation. I, I think the easier way to look at it is just to name the programs and the other conferences that could be in that conversation. Yeah. And, and if you want to go that route, it's it's obviously Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, you know, you could probably put Nebraska in that group simply because of the past. But, history, yeah. Um, you know, from the Pac-12, it's USC and maybe like Oregon. Maybe. Um, Florida State would be in that group. Clemson. Miami probably and Clemson. Yeah. Maybe Virginia Tech, like, but the, you know, we're talking about the very last spot and and having an argument for a few teams in in that regard. But right, you're talking about the rest of college football outside of the SEC, and we named what like six, yeah. seven teams. Yeah, yeah. And the SEC has more than that in their in their conference with just those sixteen right. teams. Which is why, like, when the Pac-12 made that statement, like, we don't think that. Uh, expanding is important or like it has to happen. I'm like, dude, that's such BS that there's no way that's what they really think. Now, of course they need to present themselves as like, Hey, we're good. Like you need to show strength in this situation, but those dudes are panicking, man. Those dudes are like, we have to go get some name schools to strengthen our position. They haven't been relevant in 10 years, right? They're not relevant right now with USC and Oregon and Washington. Like it's, you have to make a move. Oregon carried them for a couple years in the early 2010s. And then before, I mean, obviously USC had the pack, had the pack 10 at a pretty high level just because USC was so dominant during the early, during the two thousands. But like after that, I mean, they really, they've fallen from being, you know, one or two in the rankings of like those power five conferences to comfortably fit for a while. If you're the sec, there was that rumor a couple days ago that Florida state and Clemson had reached out and obviously, you know, they're not going to want to upset their standing members. Um, You know, I think they, they, they didn't really care what A&M thought, but uh, they're not going to try and upset, you know, the the remaining members, especially like the Alabamas and Georgias and and Floridas. Uh, but 
I mean, think about that scenario if they were to say, yeah, you know what, let's go ahead and add Clemson. Let's go ahead and add Florida State to what this group already is. Then we're, we're really talking about the power of college football 100% being in the SEC and whatever they say goes. Like, who are you to say to the to the SEC at that point, like, you know what, you go do your own thing. You okay, so uh, I- you start your own, you know, SEC football situation and we'll leave you out like you can't you literally can't at that like it, at, at, at that point if you're the big 10 are you approaching the sec and saying hey if we can get 25 schools each yeah 20 schools each yeah you let's just break off from the ncaa and just start our own governing body and yeah. just we'll have a 50 team college football league that it's and we just do it and the rest of the landscape just figures it out. Yeah, you do it like the NFL. You would have like the SEC would be like the NFC, the Big Ten would be like the AFC. You have divisions within that conference. You put division winners in a playoff, and there you go. It it you know obviously the numbers would be greater than the NFL, but it's it's extremely doable in a way that you know it cuts down the overall size of the sport but still has a tremendous amount of importance ev- yeah. from week to week. Yeah. I mean, and look, I, I love, I, and I, we're, we're kind of in the same boat where we don't have like any allegiances to a college football team. Right. We're kind of just fans of the sport and like follow the storylines and all that stuff. But I, I don't like watching a game on a Saturday. Like if you told me I could watch, Washington State and Cal, or I could watch Ohio State and Georgia. There's no scenario where I'm going to pick Cal and Washington right. State over watching those other two teams. So, like, if the Big Ten and the SEC, like, theoretically in this scenario, form this new league, I'm I'm going to pick them uh, ten times out of ten because they're going to have the more interesting teams. They're going to have the better programs. They're going right. to have the better players. Like there's a reason that I prefer the NFL over college football, and that's because it's the tippy top. It's the best of the best. Like I know every player on that field is the best. Like right at the top level of football. And if in college football, if there's this new league with these teams, I know that that's going to be the best like yeah. product of college football I can find. And I'm never going to watch the other one if I can watch the best. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't watch the other one, but well, it's I mean, never if, going if, to get my attention above. Right, over. Right, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's a Tuesday night and, you know, Oklahoma State and Colorado are playing, I'll watch the yeah, game. Yeah, for but sure. It, I'm not going to pick it over a LSU-Michigan game right. in, this, in the new league. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like... If you're if you're Greg Sankey and the SEC already adding OU in Texas, you're in the strength position anyway. Um, you you add a couple more schools like Clemson and Florida State. Like, good lord, you get to make yeah. your own rules at that point. Uh, have you heard anything about the uh, Longhorn Network? If it's going to carry over to the SEC, or it's if they're going to have to blow it up? I I, I my assumption is that. Uh, at some point, the buyout from that is going to to be a key player in the dismantling of the Big Twelve and and those teams joining the SEC before the I the mean, rights deal is up. 
you can, I mean, you can argue, and I know this is not an original argument. I mean, the Longhorn Network probably was like the first bullet in the body of the Big 12 dying. Well, yeah, it wasn't probably, it was. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Not an, that's not, not even like a, yeah, yeah, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a big reason. Obviously, A&M and Nebraska and Colorado and Missouri jump ship. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've had people tell me, and I don't remember specifically when all this was happening, but I've had people tell me that OU wasn't uh, on board with a Big Twelve network at the time. So yeah, well, I mean, you would imagine that. So it was like 2010-ish, 2011. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, Longhorn Network launched. I mean, nothing's changed. The landscape of the Big Twelve hasn't changed. Like if Oklahoma's not on board, then it's not going to happen. You have to. You you would have had to have had Texas and Oklahoma on board. I would have. So is the argument for that, or like the conversation that Oklahoma was trying to get their own network as well? Probably, I would assume that that they thought that down the road they could also get their own network, or I don't know, but. Um, I've had people tell me that Oklahoma wasn't for a Big 12 network and that Oklahoma wasn't standing in the way of the Longhorn network. Yeah, I mean, it, I remember the numbers just being jaw-dropping. And, I, and again, like, and- I, I, wasn't, I wasn't following it that closely at that point in time. So I, I can't remember all the details from when all that went down originally. But I, I was still in Austin, so it was... I mean, it was a big deal. Yeah. Like you listen to, I listened to obviously local sport, the sports radio shows in uh, Austin and it was. Well, yeah, at that point, like Mac had had, you know, maybe the best decade in Texas football history. Uh, Texas at the end of like that decade was one of the top five programs in college football. They had pumped out a ton of NFL players. Uh, You had, I mean, Heisman caliber players coming through there from Ricky Williams to Vince Young and Cedric Benson and Colt McCoy played for a couple national championships. Yeah. I mean, they were, I mean, Colt potentially could have led Texas to two, right? They had the year where OU Texas tech and Texas were all tied at the end. Uh, That was a, I mean, that was a championship caliber team. I'm not saying that they would have won it, but they beat Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl that year. They were a championship caliber team. Obviously, yeah. the team that lost to Alabama was there. Um, you know, Texas in Vince Young's last two years, um, right there. I mean, and won one. So, yeah, I mean that run in in you know a football crazy state. Obviously, nobody thought it was coming to an end, but yeah. And I would imagine. They've lost a lot of money on that on that network deal because Texas has been so bad uh, yeah. since it launched. They've yeah. been terrible. I mean, there's a reason why they play the 05 National Championship game on that network like every other day. Yeah, that, that's fair. They they, but, th- uh, they thought at the time they were gonna they were gonna like be able to rotate like five national championship games, and then it just never happened again, and they got stuck replaying the same national championship game over and over and over. A lot of uh, Texas volleyball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I uh, I just hope that uh, OU gets to the SEC before Vern Lundquist requi- retires. I, I need I need one Vern Lundquist nice. uh, OU nice. OU Texas game. I just I hope it happens. Like obviously it's not going to happen this year, but I hope it happens before the start of next year. 
I do too. I can't wait till 2025 to like, well, how like the, the big, it's just going to be so watered down and like, right. Who wants to watch this, this conference that obviously has like bullet holes through the chest, just suffer through multiple seasons. Everybody's going to have senioritis in the, in that conference. Like nobody's going to care. Like can't, I mean, there was a report yesterday that Kansas is basically all but signed the deal to go to the big 10. Yeah. So, which makes sense for them, and and that's a basketball is, move. Which has sure. really been out there since the beginning of all of this. I mean, as soon as OU and Texas announced that that this was happening, I mean, the immediate next rumor that was making the rounds was Kansas is going to join the Big Ten because the last time this happened, Kansas was the team that was looking at potentially being on the outside. I mean, when everybody started doing the the math of who could go where. At that point in time, Kansas was the team that looked like they were going to be left in the dark, and I don't think they want that position, especially knowing how bad their football program has been for the last 10 years. Like, at that point, the football program wasn't in the in as bad a shape as it is now. Right. Uh, I, I, they would be idiots to not join the Big Ten. Like, it's a good basketball conference with a lot of good basketball schools, and you're securing yourself in a major conference. Like, it, the Big Ten's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, Kansas at that point, at the last point where we were talking about this, which was early 2010s, they were just a, what, a few years removed from the Todd Reesing era, yeah. like yeah. being number two in the country in 2007. Like, Mangino had them in a good spot. And yeah, you're right. Like, they were in a much better place in football than they are now. Now they suck. They've got tons of off the field, like, issues and, like, program issues that they're dealing with as the basketball program does too now. Um, yeah. I mean, Kansas would be stupid not to just jump ship before it's too late. And just yeah. from the aspect of like, get that deal done before maybe, you know, you get some real penalties thrown down on your program. Yeah. Um, I told you I was thinking about the top programs in college football. If, the SEC just said something along the lines of, we are going to copy the NFL's format. And we're going to go to 32 teams. And obviously, they're not going to get rid of their current members. But hypothetically, let's just say they said, hey, we're going to go get the best 32 programs in college football like the NFL has. We're going to create two conferences with four divisions each, four teams in each division, carbon copy of the NFL model. So 32 programs. If you are just simply going after the best 32 college football programs, is Oklahoma State getting an invite from you? Hmm. Okay, well, I would say based on facilities, they probably are top 32. Okay. What, what's their attendance like? Are they selling out every home game? No. I mean, that's got to be... Place holds like, what, 60 Yeah, probably what, you're getting, what, 50-ish a game? Yeah, probably. For average. Yeah. Facilities are great, though. A lot of money put in on them. On them. Over the last 10 years, I mean, they're one of the winningest programs in college football. Right. Am I taking into account other sports? Or are we just going straight football in this? Just straight football for 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 the purposes of this conversation. Again, this is all hypothetical. This isn't like a but. If this is the scenario and you're only considering football, 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're still they're producing NFL talent. Their facilities are good. Um, maybe the attendance boost if they're in this league and you 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 are selling out every home game when yeah. you know you've got Florida and Oklahoma and Michigan, Ohio State. You got those teams coming into town. You know, every year you had to, you would imagine the attendance would go up a little bit. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're definitely in that conversation of like the final five teams that we're looking to bring in. Yeah. But I think they make the cut if you're looking at 32 teams. I think so too. Um, I started thinking about like the teams that are for sure in. So just for sure guaranteed would be in this 32 team NFL like format for college football. Alabama, Ohio State, OU, USC, Notre Dame, Texas, Michigan, LSU, Florida, Florida State. Penn State, Nebraska, Clemson, Miami, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee, Oregon, Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, Washington, Texas A&M, UCLA, Stanford, Colorado, Michigan State. So that's 26. And then I think like beyond that, like OSU's probably the next to have a conversation about. Uh, You could throw Arkansas into that mix. Um, but like, I, I think for those last like five or six spots, like is, I don't think you can say definitively there is a team that would deserve it over the Cowboys. Yeah. I, do you think, do you think Notre Dame would join? I can see a scenario where Notre Dame is just like, we're <laughs> yeah. just going to keep our nah. TV deal with NBC and we'll yeah. play, we'll play army and Navy five times a year. We'll just, yeah, we'll go back and play Army, Navy. We'll play Princeton because they have a bunch of national championships from uh, 80 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Boston College, Syracuse. Miami of Ohio. (laughs) Um, So here's something that I think could cause issues. So, like, because the NFL, obviously, you only have 32 teams. Like, there's no, like... Up and co- it's not like the Jaguars started in the you know XFL and we're right. like we're right. really good like we deserve to be playing with the best teams out there right like let let get us let us in the league but in the you know if we do this if there's this other league that gets started and there's 32 teams and let's say uh, did you have Maryland wasn't one of the 32 no. was it okay no. let's say Maryland goes on a run where they win the the yeah. college football playoff NCAA championship like. Three out of six years. Yeah. And they're just dominating all those le- in that other league. There has to be an argument for, for relegation Maryland and for college. Yeah. Relegation or however you want to do it. Like you can't have all these teams and just say you can't play with the best teams. Yeah. When it's the same sports, the same game, they're all recruiting on the same, like out of the same high schools, the same level. Like there has to be some level of relegation. Maybe it's like every 10 years you you swap a couple of teams out or however you figure it out. Yeah. But like there's gotta be some motivation for the teams that aren't in to get in. Yeah. The problem is because it's college football and you have these recruiting cycles, like there's no guarantee that I mean one class can certainly elevate you to being really good, but like it's not like a pro league where you get a franchise player and you hope hopefully that guy's gonna lead you to a decade years, yep. of of winning. Like that guy has a very short time limit to have success, and then he's gone, and you may never be able to replace the guy. Right. So that's why maybe you do it every 10 to 15 years, because yeah. if 
a team is dominant for 10 years, then that's showing that they can recruit, you know, consistently. Oh, you know, because I mean, you're talking about two or three recruiting classes over that time period that, you know, help them succeed. So, yeah, I, I mean, I just feel like in this scenario, there has to be some conversation because you can't just say to the rest of the country, and the rest of those schools, you'll never play with us. No, you'll never be at our level because 20 years ago. Well, maybe not 20 years ago, but 30 years ago, Oregon would never – who would have thought Oregon would get to the level they're at now to be in yeah, that 32-team league? Like, t- programs can change. And then 30 years ago, SMU would have been in this league. Yeah. So – Minnesota, right? Like, if you want to go – Yeah. There's, there's, Army, there's Navy. Be, yeah, there's got to be some sense of relegation to a new league because – the landscape just changes. I mean, for whatever reasons, like teams can completely be a Nebraska, Nebraska 30 years ago, 25 years ago, there have been, they would have been one of the first five teams put in this league. Right. And now they're in the bottom five. If at all they're in, they would be in just because, well, I I think you have to consider a lot of different things. It's, it's not only tradition, but it's location. It's what, I mean, they they have a hundred thousand, seat stadium that is packed every Saturday. The money's there. It's the, it's literally the only thing in the state. Like there's no other competition. Okay. So, well, okay. Maybe Nebraska wasn't the best example, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. They're like, you know, Baylor, I mean, the 2014 Baylor probably would have been in the conversation to get in this league. I mean, I look, I I think if you wanted to make a case for Baylor uh, to be at the end of this group, I think there's a case there. Yeah. 20 years ago, though, they're the worst team, might be the worst power five team in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be, I don't know, it's an interesting conversation, and that's something that I don't think is completely inconceivable of this to happen, because already the NCAA is, I wouldn't say they're not in good graces with any program in the country. Um, these teams are making so much money on their own yeah. that they don't need the NCAA to like help them be financially profitable. Agreed. And like I, I, I started getting on this whole thing. So the Monday before anything about OU and Texas joining the SEC was announced, it was SEC media days, and Greg Sankey had kind of made some comments about, and public comments at media days, which lets you know like the situation's obviously significantly worse than he's going to let it on let it on to be. But he's making the public comments about like not necessarily liking the way that the NCAA does some things and this idea that, you know, we have to have 100% inclusiveness for 130 teams in college football, which is not realistic at all. Um, And, like, that day, I remember thinking, like, the SEC's already the top conference in college football by a pretty decent margin uh, from a just, you know, name university tradition standpoint. I was like it's not inconceivable for them to just say like, Hey, you know, we'll go do our own thing. And then like two days later, the OU and Texas joining the sec stuff like starts to, to come out. And I, at that point I was just like, there it is. Like now, if you are Greg Sankey and you are having disagreements with the NCAA, like this is your card to play. Like the sec already has like this deal with CBS 
you're going to tell me if they broke off and formed their own league away from the NCAA that CBS wouldn't still give them billions of dollars to broadcast? They'd give them more because you would start talking about playoff games being included in that and championship games being included in that. That's team in college football playing on CBS in a champion. Yeah. Yeah. They've already got the relationship to have a network deal in place. uh, Like, and and we're not talking about like Fox sports one or like, you know, the zone. We're talking about CBS. Yeah. They've already got it in place. And if somehow like Notre Dame comes in, then you've got conversations with NBC. Like you're talking about potentially having two networks broadcasting this, this new super league. Yeah. It Clemson and Florida state come in. Like, I don't know what the West side of the country is going to do. Like I, there's obviously, I guess you still carry this super league because they're probably gonna have more people watching the super league than watching PAC 12 games. But that's why yeah, it's this, so funny to me. Like all this is happening and people just like approach conference realignment as if like, we're all going to continue to be under the NCAA umbrella and they're going to continue to be the governing body and college football as we know it is still going to be the same entity. And I'm like, dude, I think that's crazy to assume that's going to be the case. Like you have to assume that potentially the SEC could break off and do their own thing, which I think makes it more important that the Big Twelve, Big Ten strengthens their position. Although I would say the Big Ten's not going anywhere. Uh, no, but, the Big Ten is, yeah. Yeah, they're fine. But like the Pac-12 should certainly be worried. Any remaining members of the Big 12 need to find a home ASAP. If you think that like if the, if the SEC breaks away, the Big 12 trying to stay together does what? Like, I keep hearing this conversation like, well, I mean, the Big 12 champion could still get a playoff spot. Sure, if college football as we know it stays the way it is today. But, like, I think that's a giant assumption. Yeah, I mean, who... Okay, if you're the playoff committee, are you, you're going to sit here and tell me that you're going to take a TCU team that went 12-0 and and they beat, their best win was over West Virginia... Over a one hell, let's say a two-loss Georgia team who beat Oklahoma, Texas, LSU, Alabama, Texas A&M, and their losses are to Tennessee and Florida State. Just from level of competition, how do you make an argument to put in a Big Twelve school yeah. over an SEC team in the over multiple SEC teams in the playoffs? Well, I think people just if we're expanding this to twelve teams. Are you talking about, okay, so we're expanding the playoff to 12 teams in this scenario. Yeah, so this would be operating under the assumption that college football stays the way it is now and that this new 12-team playoff that has been discussed becomes the adopted postseason format, which is all the Power 5 conferences would get their automatic bid, and then you would potentially be talking about group of five conferences having an opportunity to get teams in. So there are people that say, well... If you're the Big 12, you just add a a few teams, stay together, and your winner's automatically going to get in. Which, again, if that's the way it goes, sure, that that happens. But again, I think it's a giant assumption and a foolish assumption to assume that, uh, that college football is going to remain the same and that playoff format that's been discussed way before all of this took place is going to be the way that it goes. 
What's okay? So what are the qualifications to be a Power Five conference? It's not the name of the conference, right? No. I, right. So if Oklahoma and Texas leave, what is the argument for the Big Twelve being a Power Five conference? There's not one. What is the argument that they're better than the American Athletic Conference? I mean, the argument. I would say that their top teams are are better, but like you are as good as your You're top talking teams about your are. Top- you don't have a single a blue blood. They can't even sell out games. Right. You don't even have a blue blood. So you don't have a team that's ever won a national championship. Do they have a team? I mean, may, I guess TCU maybe played for a national championship when like Doak Walker was there. Did they? I, mean, you're talking, I, I don't even know. I don't know. But you're, yeah, you're talking about teams that struggle to stay relevant. I mean, they're relevant because Oklahoma and Texas like kind of prop them up being yes. in the same conference. Yes. Otherwise, Kansas State would not be relevant if they right. didn't play Oklahoma and Texas. And that's not and like we're not saying that Kansas State's not a good football program or that Oklahoma State's not a good football program, but they're not blue bloods and they're not what the rest of the country considers to be one of the elite college football programs in the country. Right. Like you're if, just you're not a big enough football power to be the face of a power five conference. So look at it this way. If I know you know, but just for general people, just, you know, just saying. Look at it this way. If you're Fox and ESPN and you're looking at the slate of games for the third week in September and you're trying to pick the games you want to broadcast on your networks, Oklahoma State playing anybody is not going to get the pick over Oklahoma playing uh, Vanderbilt. Like if, if Oklahoma State right. plays Texas Tech, yeah, ESPN is not going to say we're picking that game over Oklahoma Vanderbilt or over you know Texas Kentucky. Right. Like those other, they're just not going to get the pick of games on from these networks. And at the end of the day, that's where so much most of the money comes from is from being on TV and being on these networks and getting the ad revenue and all this stuff. And you're not, you're just not, you're going to get put on ESPN Plus. You're going to get put on these like secondary networks and you're just the money is just going to dry up yeah yeah i agree i i just i don't think uh i don't think they're going to stay together i think that for their sake it's smart to act like you're going to stay together i think like you know strategically it makes sense to like bluff OU in Texas that, hey, we're going to stay together and we're going to make you live out this contract and you're going to have to stay with us for four. I agree. That makes sense strategically. But I think there is, in my mind, I would be absolutely stunned if that's what the conversations were behind closed doors. If they really thought, like, this is our best option to stay together. Because I just don't believe that the people at Oklahoma State and the people at Kansas and the people at Texas Tech truly believe that their best move right now would be to try and add a couple teams and keep the Big 12 alive. I mean, look, at the end of the day, every all every college football program, every athletic program, every football team, it's all they're businesses. Yeah. And they're run by CEOs. And they're run by people that know what they're doing. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them are run by people that know what they're doing. And when it comes to the bottom line and making a profit, you're going to make way more profit if you're Oklahoma State going to the Pac-12 
or the Big Ten or wherever you go than staying in this Big 12. And it doesn't matter if they add Houston and right. SMU or what at BYU. It doesn't matter. You're going to make more money going and joining Starbucks and Walmart than you are staying and playing with these, you know, mom and pop shops in the Big 12. Yeah. Completely, completely true. Because, again, people always want to argue this with me, but college football is all about perception. Yeah. And what you've accomplished, and, I mean, it's, you know, it's that whole blue blood status that we constantly argue about that's not even a real thing. Like, Texas hasn't been good for 10 years, and they're on list of, right. like, they're the fifth best team in the SEC right now. Yeah. No, yeah, they're or they're one of the top 10 football programs in college football history. Like, right. they carry a certain amount of weight because of what they've accomplished in the past, and there's a perception about what that program is and can be. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, 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 college football is one, it, it might be the only sport. I mean, I, I, it's any college, basketball is probably in the same category too, but it's not what have you done for me lately. It's what have you done for me Ever. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 100% true. I mean, Oklahoma State, like, Oklahoma State has been drastically better than Texas over the last decade. Nobody's even going to make that argument. Like, it's not even close. Oklahoma State's been miles better than Texas for the last 10 years. Outside of Bedlam? Outside of Bedlam, Oklahoma, you're right. Oklahoma State has been miles better than Texas. not even close. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, nobody considers Oklahoma State to be on the same tier of as far as like football tradition powerhouse as Texas. Right. And I don't think they're in different ballparks, different universes from that. I don't think that has anything to do with Oklahoma. I I don't like, no, that's not, that's like not a negative on Oklahoma state. That's just because Texas has been around for so long doing it at a high level. They have national championships. They have Heisman winners that, you know, they have all the things that put you on that, you know, quote unquote blue blood tier. Yeah, and you're talking about Oklahoma State. Really, I mean, you could you could make the conversation with like the '80s, with like the Barry Sanders era, but like in the you know Thurman Thomas and all that stuff. Yeah. But like realistically, you're talking about about 15, what 15 years yeah, of like 15 year stretch of program. sustained success. Yeah, yeah. And meanwhile, Texas has had 10 years down, but they had decades of success before yeah. that. Well, they're they're like in the top five like all time college football wins and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you're, and, and that's the problem with college football. Like the have nots are never going to join the haves like Oklahoma state, like Oklahoma state won't catch Texas and wins. Even if Texas is never good again in our lifetime, because they just had like a, you know, half a century head start. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michigan. Yeah. I mean, what do you, I mean, it's just, is what it is. I mean, I, it, 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 to me, that is a little bit of a bummer. And like that does one of the things that sucks about college football is that, the rich will always stay rich, but I mean, it is what it is. It's never going to change. But it's also why, like, it's crazy to think like you have to hold on to the tradition and like you want inclusion because you can't let, have both of those things. Like, it's not let possible. Me, let me ask you this: as college football fans that don't have allegiances, yeah, who? What is the convert? What is the argument to keep to really fight to keep Bedlam? It is There's a not one. Once, what the, you want to watch Oklahoma win nine out of ten games? Yeah, I mean for the people in state, for the OSU fans, for the OU fans, I get it. But as like generally speaking, 
college football fans across the country, who cares? Ohio State and Michigan, are you at a point right now where you really care if they play every year? Yes, because of the tradition, but... Yeah, but you but Ohio State's been so dominant right. but recently. Those, but, but, obviously but Michigan and Ohio State's helmets like carry a lot of weight, even if Michigan's wow, not good. Go. Again, that okay, goes back to the okay. tradition and the haves there versus the have-nots. It's it's Walmart it's Walmart and Target going head to head, as opposed to you know Oklahoma and Oklahoma State being you know Walmart and uh, Winco or whatever, yeah, some local grocery store. I don't know, but right, yeah. I mean, it's it's because they're two blue bloods. You're right, yeah. but like, it's there's so many rivalries that nobody. There's so many rivalries that people are worried about losing. That at the end of the day, doesn't really matter. Like if I'm, I, I said this. Uh, last week, uh, but if I'm Oklahoma State and I'm not in the same conference as Oklahoma, there's no way I want to keep that tradition going or that rivalry it's a, going. It's a guaranteed L every year. Right. Like, why? Well, and here's the other thing, Aaron. Like, Oklahoma State, I feel like, has done as about as, as well as you can possibly do over the last 10 years while being under the shadow of Oklahoma. Like, I, I don't know how much higher their ceiling is while also being under the shadow of the Sooners. You, you, you lose, I mean, the history of this rivalry is like 90% in Oklahoma's favor. Like, why would you want to continue that if you are joining a new league, playing a new schedule? Wouldn't you want to somehow, like, establish yourself on your own without the Oklahoma attachment? Because Oklahoma State, once again, we just talked about how, like, they've been as good as anybody in college football over the last 10 years from a win standpoint. But, like, nobody ever gives them enough credit because they're always, the, you know, I, I know a lot of Oklahoma State fans hate this term, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but people view them as Oklahoma's little brother. Like, you're never going to be able to stand on your own two feet as long as you're attached to one of the top three college football programs in the history of the sport. Look, you're right. Oklahoma State has, I would say they've exceeded what you would have expected from them over the past 10 years. I mean, they have a quarterback going to Canton tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But look, I I hate Texas A&M with a passion. I wouldn't say with a passion, but I very much dislike Texas A&M. Just everything about it. But leaving the Big 12, and I would say a lot of people probably view Texas A&M as Texas' little brother for a long time. Yeah. They got away. They went out and did their own thing. They quit playing Texas every year. Yeah. And now Texas A&M, while their real success on the field in the SEC has been very questionable at best to where, you know, they think they've what they think they've done. They've separated themselves from Texas. Yes. They are their own entity. They 100%. are a financially top five program in the country. They recruit at a high level every year and no, I, who associates those two teams together anymore other than like Texas A&M and Texas fans that wish they would play? Right. Nobody. Like they're, Texas A&M has become its own entity, whereas you're right. Like until they joined the SEC, they were always, they were the Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. Yeah. Texas dominated that series. Mm-hmm. You know, what recruit, what good recruit was going to pick Texas A&M over Texas when they were both in the Big 12, not I would say not many, and you could look at the recruiting yeah. rankings. There were not a lot of, you know, high-level recruits that picked A&M over Texas. I mean, there's a reason for 10 years before A&M left, Texas was a top-five college football program in the country, and A&M was just kind of a 
maybe top 25. Yeah, borderline maybe. top 25. Yeah. And, you and know, A&M now, like, over the last 10 years, is better. Yeah. I mean, wins and losses, I they're not, you know, they haven't taken a huge leap, obviously, but they're playing better competition, so there's that argument there. But just from, yeah, everything else, like financially, recruiting, um, facilities, like, yeah, they got away and they got a huge boost. Yeah. They paid Jimbo Jimbo Fisher nine trillion dollars to come coach there. Yeah, yeah. I so I I just if you are Oklahoma State, I don't know why you would ever want to continue that if you are not in the same conference. Sure. I mean, it, I I guess like the only argument I could think of is if you're Oklahoma State and you're saying that's like the one game we can guarantee a sellout is when Oklahoma comes to Stillwater, maybe, uh, but. I mean, outside of that, like, sometimes moving on is the best thing for you. Yeah. Yep, for sure, man. Uh, let's hit this before we wrap up. Did you see the Woj bomb this morning? The Kimba? Yeah. Yeah, the I was... Thunder uh, are going to buy out Kimba Walker. He's going to sign with the New York Knicks, which Kimba may win MVP if he's playing half his games at Madison Square Garden this year. Uh, but... I, this is shocking. Like, for the Thunder to buy out a guy that's owed $74 million over the next two years, this was shocking news to me. Yeah, two years, 74, what was left on Walker's deal. They bought him out. I So I'm not surprised necessarily that they reached a buyout. I, I guess I'm just more surprised that there wasn't a trade made for Kimba, and I guess, yeah. I, I guess they didn't have any takers. I guess there was nobody in the league that was like, we can take this two-year you know, $74 million deal especially considering what next year's free agency class could look like. I, I don't blame these other teams for not wanting to have, you know, $32 million, no more than yeah. that. What is that? 40, 47, $47 million locked in on Kimba 37. next year. Huh? I think it's 37, 37, 37.5, so I guess. Okay. Regardless. Yeah. With my stupid math abilities. We don't want to have $37 million locked in on Kimba next year when you're talking about a free agency class that's going to rival what we had two years ago. Yeah. I I wish that we would have had the opportunity to see Kimba play for the Thunder at least at the beginning of the season before this happened. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Kimba so, playing home games at MSG is is probably where he needs to be. So right now in 2022, these guys have player options, but I mean, they could opt out and go take some more money elsewhere. You've got Russell Westbrook, who whatever, and these are, these are all older guys, but if you're a team like the Knicks or any team that's just wanting to guy, get a, one of these guys on one and one and you have 37 and a half million locked up in Kimba, that's tough. But anyways, James, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Bradley Bill, Kimba Walker, obviously Kyrie, all player options, and then just straight up unrestricted free agents. You've got guys like Julius Randle, Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine, uh, Terry Rozier, uh, Marcus Smart. I mean, there's a Zion is going to have a team option. He's not going anywhere, obviously. DeAndre Ayton is going to be a restricted free agent. There's a, I mean, that's a big free agency class next summer. So, yeah, I mean, I get it. And obviously, Oklahoma City is not going to be a player next year, so they can eat that money. Yeah. And. Kimba goes to New York and he's going to get a new deal probably for, you know, a little less money. And it's going to allow New York to potentially be spenders next summer and Kimba help Kimba win a title 
if he's there for more than you know just this year. It's I get it. I get why they did the buyout, but uh, I agree. I would have liked to have seen him play a couple games in Oklahoma City, and I just really I, I would imagine that the plan wasn't to buy him out when they traded for him. It had to have been to flip him yes. for more assets. Yes. And you know to not get that, well, I would assume have to assume is a disappointment for Presti and the rest of the front office. Yeah. Well, like we said with the draft, I think I mean you can make the offers all you want, but if there's not a taker, like you can't force trades. And I, I like you said, I think they got Kimba, assuming they were going to be able to make a deal, and they just weren't able to. Yeah, I mean that's a lot of money to take for a dude who's in his thirties who, you know, has dealt with some injury issues since he got traded to Boston, and nobody has any first round picks left to trade. <laughs> right, Oklahoma City has everybody. <laughs> Presti already pick got anyway. them all. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, you don't want to. It, it it looks better on paper to just buy him out than to trade Kimba for eighteen second round picks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yikes, yikes. Uh, yesterday, Gil Brandt tweeted: uh, Lakers youth movement. Carmelo thirty seven, LeBron thirty six, Ariza thirty six, Marcus Gasol thirty six, Dwight Howard thirty five, Wayne Ellington thirty three, Russell Westbrook thirty two, Kent Bazemore thirty two. Is LeBron James the worst general manager in the league? Oof. I mean, look, I, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy, like, that's the best team in the West. So I I don't know that it really matters what the rest of that cast looks like. If those two guys are healthy, then I, I think they're fine. But they they weren't in the first round, and the West is good enough that if you're not healthy, you're not going to win. But ah, yeah, I mean, man, I don't, I don't, I don't to me, those get, none of those players, in my opinion, makes a massive difference in my thoughts of the Lakers being able to win or not. In the West, I, whether I don't, to me, I, the number one thing is just those two guys and their health. I don't know that I maybe a few weeks ago I would have agreed, but with the way the roster has shaped up right now, getting rid of uh, KCP and Kyle Kuzma, I I don't know that this roster is the best in the West. I just don't I don't see how this, they work. I don't see how you can I don't how I don't see how you could put LeBron AD. Russell, Mello, and Dwight Howard on the floor together and say that they can win a title. Well, it's it's LeBron and AD. Like, Yeah. You trust Russell to not shoot the ball in the fourth quarter? Well, he either doesn't or you put him on the bench. Like, I, like, I, I, don't, I don't know that I want Russell on the floor when the game's on the line uh, anyway when you have LeBron James. Right, I like agree you don't want the you. ball in Russell's hands. But you don't want him point? on the block because that's where you have Anthony Davis, and he's not going to stretch the floor if he's not in either one of those positions. So, I guess I just don't understand the point of having bringing these guys in if you like feel like you can't play them. Well, I think you can play them in the regular season. For they can win you minutes, games in the but... regular season and get you to the postseason with a healthy LeBron and AD, where those two guys don't have to do as much work to get there. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Lakers did. I mean, they they couldn't win games without LeBron and AD last year. Right. Obviously, they barely made the playoff play in tournament. But I just look. I just I hope it's an absolute disaster, and it probably will be. But it just it just reeks of like LeBron just completely deciding who's on his team, which it absolutely is. But I don't know. Just don't want it to work. I'm. I'm I don't know, a little sour on on all these moves. And you know what? Maybe I'm sour. I don't. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm sour on, and why I don't want it to work. 
because of Twitter, because I've seen all these stupid graphics of like Melo in this Lakers jersey. Like they just signed a 28 year old Lamelo oh, Carmelo yeah. no, Anthony, and like, oh, they're it's over. Yeah. It's the league's done. Championship. Just go ahead and give them the title. Yeah. yeah. Like, like they're not signing a 33-year-old Russell Westbrook and a 37-year-old yeah. Carmelo. But let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put Melo in that Lakers jersey front and center in front of LeBron and AD because this is Melo's team now. Yeah, my favorite is like the, the ones that have like all the credentials listed. Like it's like 36 combined all-star appearances and like... Yeah, they're 900 years old. Yeah, like seven MVPs and... 19 first team all NBA and like okay yeah and we <laughs> those got, are my favorite got though three players that are in the top 50 players in the league yeah like I could bring back uh Michael Jordan and Carl Malone and Akeem Olajuwon right now and sign them to OKC and then send out the tweets that are like 35 combined first team all NBA but that doesn't mean I'm gonna win a championship in 2022. <laughs> How I don't understand how this roster. How does this roster stay healthy for eighty-two games? Well, yeah, it's just you. Uh, it's gonna be different shoot. guys along the way. Yeah. Hopefully, they're not all hurt at the same time. I mean, that's that's the good thing about Russell Westbrook is you just you hope that he is your horse in the regular season, which he's he's shown over the course of his entire career that he's gonna play hard in the regular season. He can get you wins just because that aspect alone and he's the guy that that you know can can carry you when you want LeBron to sit or when these other guys get hurt but like when you start talking about postseason basketball that's where I don't think he's necessarily as much in the equation as people want to pretend like he is yeah it's uh it'll be interesting I mean that's a it's a lot of personality and a lot of clashing play styles that they're they're trying to mold together on the floor yeah Yikes. The NBA. It's crazy, man. I just don't get why they're so desperate. They won a title last year. Why are they so desperate to just, like, force this, like... I mean, I understand LeBron's 36, and he's only got a few years left, theoretically, but... That's That's why, yeah. Wait a year and just go get, like... Go get Kyrie next summer. I think the thought is, well... Will Kyrie well, play with LeBron play again? Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, good point. Uh, the thought is, like, you know, whether this is true or not, people felt like they, they we saw the first signs of LeBron's, uh, you know, decline, I guess, is the best way to mm-hmm. say it. We saw the first steps of LeBron's decline this year, and you never know how quickly that decline is going to take place. So you've got to act now, do the best you can to win this season, and, you know, see where you are after this year, but. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Peyton Manning literally went from, like, the greatest single season in NFL history to, like, a guy that we were like, how is this guy may not even be a starting quarterback anymore. And, and winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Hell, maybe LeBron sucks and the team is just significantly better. Yeah. But yeah, dude, I am. I, I my, the worst case scenario for all of us is Nets Lakers in the finals. But I will say this: if that happens, the beef between the rosters is. I mean, 
out of this world, right? You've got the LeBron-Kyrie beef. You would have James Harden and Kevin Durant with Russell Westbrook on the other side. It would be it would be amazing. You think how okay? You think Russell Westbrook could go through that series without getting a suspension for tax? Well, I, he will because he's not playing. <laughs> well, that's, well, he might get suspended from the bench. That's true. That's true. How great would that series be, though? Like, I don't, I don't want to see Nets Lakers in the finals, but. Like, my only thing is, if that's what we get, which I think if both those teams stay healthy, that's that would be the finals matchup next year. Just the the Kyrie-LeBron and then, the you know, the Thunder trio uh, being on opposite sides is must-see TV. I mean, yeah, must-see TV for sure. And I you would assume, given those ages, that it's kind of like the last hurrah for that generation of NBA players. Yeah. And to get them all in one series... Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, you're talking about the entire 2010s. Like, that's everybody that's left. Yeah, of like the superstar players. Like, yeah, that's that'd be fun. I mean, I, again, I I'm not for it because I don't want to see the Lakers and LeBron again. Agreed. I I it, I'm more interested to see the net. I'd rather see the Nets in the finals than the Lakers at this point. Yes, agreed. I agree with that. So, who knows, man? Well. So, Ideally, I don't want to see either of them, but like that again. That's if that happens, at least we get the satisfaction of a lot of dislike between the superstars. Yeah, definitely. All right, my friend. Anything else? Uh, no. I think uh, no. I don't. I think they think that we hit everything that I, at least I have been thinking about. All right. Well, enjoy your trip to Northeast Oklahoma. Enjoy your days off, and uh, we'll catch up again next week. All right, see you. Okay.